the financial part of your marriage is a stress point, focus in on that. Say, hey, let's work on this. Because not only are you going to win with money faster doing that, but you're going to have a healthier marriage overall. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of The Rachel Cruz Show. I'm so glad that you are here. This episode is really fun because I interview my siblings. That's right, Daniel Ramsey and Denise Whittemore on how we were raised when it comes to money and talking about how we handle money with our current families as well. So it's a really fun conversation. I can't wait for you to hear that. I'm going to answer a question from Jen in my Facebook community all about getting on the same page with her husband when it comes to money. I know this is a big topic that a lot of people talk about because marriage and money, oof, it can be really difficult. But first, let's dive into a topic that's pretty controversial. Credit cards versus debit cards. Yep, they look the same, but they have very different purposes. So check it out. Okay, on here we talk a lot about not having credit cards, but having a debit card. And there's a big difference between the two, but some people are like, oh yeah, Rachel, but if I just have a debit card, X, Y, and Z, or a debit card doesn't do X, Y, and Z that a credit card does, So let's just break it down. Let's compare the difference between a debit card and a credit card. All right, we'll go super basic first. A debit card is attached to your bank account. So when you swipe a debit card, you're using your money. It's coming out of your checking account, okay? It's leaving. When you swipe a credit card, you basically are just using debt. That's all it is. So you're borrowing money from the bank for that purchase, and then you pay the bank back whenever your bill is due. So differences, using your money versus the bank's money. Now, your debit card will probably have a logo like Visa or MasterCard in the corner. So when you run your debit card and you click the debit option, you type in your PIN. Do, do, do. I almost said my PIN all out. That was really bad. Okay, you type in your PIN and then it's done. So the transaction goes from the merchant to your bank and there it is. Now, the thing is, if you run it as a credit you're not running it as, you're running it as a credit card, but it's not a credit card. It is a debit card. So when you run it as a credit, what happens is you sign your name and what ends up happening is it goes from your merchant to the credit card company. So again, Visa or MasterCard, they actually trans, they actually do the transaction of the purchase and then it goes to your bank. So if something happens in the middle of all of that, Visa or MasterCard, whatever logo is at the bottom of your card, you have full protection of them. So actually, when I have my debit card, I always run it as a credit. I rarely type in my PIN number. I usually run it as a credit, and you'll end up signing your name when you do that option. But it's the safest option, so I love that. Now, there are a lot of reasons why people are still holding on to their credit cards, and they refuse to give them up. But if you need to lose weight, you don't keep a bunch of cookies and junk food in the house, do you? No, you know I need to eat healthy, so you're going to have healthy food in the house. Now, if you want to do better with your money, I would say get rid of the credit cards. When you just don't even have the option to use them, that's going to help you. That's the first big step. So here are the most common perceived benefits that I hear people use their credit card for, but we'll talk about the real truth. So one benefit is better fraud protection if you use a credit card versus a debit card. Well, the truth is, again, you get the exact same fraud protection. You get the exact same level of protection with your debit card as you do on your credit card. Visa even says this on their own website. So if your car is lost, stolen, or there's any kind of fraud, you will get that money back. Now, identity theft, it is on the rise, and thieves are after more than just your money. Okay, they're going to be after your social security number. 
medical files, tax statements, all of these are so valuable when someone wants to steal your identity. And many times you won't even realize that your information has been compromised until it's too late. Seriously, it's not a matter of if, usually it's a matter of when your identity is stolen, which stinks that this is the life we're living in, but it is true. So be sure to protect yourself with Xander ID Theft Solutions. They provide proactive monitoring and alerts, 24-7 customer service, and best of all, they're super affordable, starting at less than $7 a month. If your identity is compromised, they'll do all the legwork for you to get everything back on track. It is so worth it, you guys. It is such a headache when that happens, and to have a company just take care of it, it's a dream. So just go to xander.com and click ID theft. Okay, the next perceived benefits that I hear about credit card use is, of course, the points in the cashback. But the truth is, studies show that you will spend more when you spend with a credit card. So all the cashback you're getting, you probably could have saved or more without using that credit card. And they're giving you all this cashback and rewards because guess what? They are making so much money off of people who are not paying their bills and they're paying all this interest. So like all the free stuff that you're getting, it's because other people are not doing it, okay? And then if you're not paying your bill off every month, then you're paying interest that accumulates. I mean, it's just, it's crazy. So again, I'm not gonna like play that game with the credit card company. I mean, no, I'll save my money. I'll be in control of it. And I'm not gonna take advantage of other people not doing well with their money to get all the free stuff. So I don't wanna play the game. I'm out. Now, the bonus is that some debit cards now actually are gonna offer rewards. Make sure to stay on budget. But when it's a debit card, again, mentally, you're in a totally different mind space versus a credit card. All right, some people talk about the benefit of having a credit card is all the travel perks that you get. But the truth is trillions with a T, not a B or an M, a T, trillions of airline miles go unused every year. Isn't that crazy? Especially last year when there was no travel going on. So you went and charged up your credit card thinking, I'm going to travel the world. And then it was like, nope, pandemic, you're staying home. You're like, oh, man. Yeah, that's what happens. Life Happen. So like I said before, credit card companies are not just giving you everything for free. They're doing it because they're making so much money off of you in the long run. All right, guys, hopefully I cleared up some rumors and confusion around the difference between credit cards and debit cards. But again, just get rid of the credit card, okay? Have a debit card and then learn to take control of your money and create a life you love. Okay, so one thing I've realized is that being a parent is really hard today, especially when there are so many screens around. The other day, I was trying to find something for my girls to watch, and oh, every option was just, I wasn't happy about it. I was like, I want you guys to know Jesus and know the Bible, and I wish what was on the screen was reflecting that. But that is why my family loves Minnow. It is a new streaming service created just for kids. It has over 2,000 hand-picked shows rooted in a Christian perspective, and Minnow really helps your child learn about Jesus, the Bible, and all the amazing things that God's created. So feel confident about the media choices you're making for your family and start watching Minnow today. Download the Minnow app or visit gominnow.com. That's G-O-M-I-N-N-O.com. And enter Rachel at checkout to get your first month free. I have my brother and sister here. Guys, welcome. Thanks, Rachel. Thank you. How does it feel in here? You love it? It's good. <laughs> Cozy. Yeah. Uh, good. Oh, good. Me? Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Well, we have Denise and Daniel. Okay, so say you don't have to do age, but like— okay. Married, not married, kids, not. So people can kind of get a grasp of like, okay, yeah. Because you're older. You're the yes, oldest. I'm the oldest. And so, yeah, we're two and a half years difference. 
and I'm married with three little babies. Three babes. So, yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm the youngest. Yeah, you're four years older than me. Yes. And Denise is six years older than me. So I was born a little bit after some of the drama, but uh, <laughs> learned all the hard lessons. So that's right. That's right. And married. Yeah, so married. Allison, my wife, Allison. And a babe coming. And a baby on the way. Yeah. Yeah. So fun. Later this summer. So everyone on the show or most people that watch know kind of the Ramsey story and the bankruptcy and that I was born the year that that happened. So you were like two and a half-ish. Mm-hmm. I was born that year. Daniel came a little bit after. So when I was writing the book, Know Yourself, Know Your Money, and I was mm-hmm. doing the manuscript of the childhood classrooms, realizing that money's communicated in two ways. It's communicated verbally and emotionally, mm-hmm. and it creates kind of these four classrooms. So I said in the book that I felt like we grew up in classroom number four, Mm-hmm. which is the stable money classroom or the secure money classroom. And that is where it's verbally open and emotionally calm. So mm-hmm. I'm just throw it out here because I said in the book too, like siblings can have a different perspective. So do mm-hmm. you all think we grew up in that classroom or a different one? I would think we grew up in that one. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I feel like, especially because mom and dad were so open. At, I mean, especially at that point, because it was still so new mm-hmm. that they were like in the teaching mode. And so mm-hmm. they all they want to do was like teach us because they were excited and like, they didn't want us to screw up like they did. Yes. And so, yeah, it was calm, but like exciting calm, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. Yeah, totally. So they made it fun. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. Do you think we grew up in that classroom? Yeah, for sure. I mean, it was never stressed. It was open, but mm-hmm. we talked about, hey, we're not going to do something because it's not part of the plan. It was more of a, a reason of discipline than actually like um, us not you know, being able to or us being stressed about it. So, yeah, yeah. 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 So one of those, again, part of that quadrant is the the verbal communication. We mm-hmm. just said that. So it's either for people closed or open. And we mm-hmm. would say we are an open verbal oh, family. Yeah. Would you agree? Yes, Absolutely. we are. <laughs> <laughs> Including some debates. Some Oh, we love family debates. Yeah. Yeah, we can, get, we can get into it. We can get into it. But when it comes to money, like you guys said, we talked about it. So what are a couple of ways, or do you have any memories of talking about money, whether it's something you wanted to buy or anything like that? Yeah. I mean, when you first said that, I, all I thought about was Sundays. Like Sunday was payday for yes. us. And so we'd get yeah. our little chore charts yeah. and go down and like figure out, okay, I did this chore, I didn't do this chore, and we got paid. And so, I mean, I'm sitting in the living room floor and like dividing out like giving, spending, saving. Mm-hmm. And so even at a young age, we were doing that. And so just having those in, um, real conversations with mom and dad about mm-hmm. spending like, okay, this is, I was saving up for a Barbie doll or whatever. And so yeah. being able to um, be able to go to the store and be able to purchase that or, um, yeah, or saving for my car. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, so yeah, we had those like real mm-hmm. conversations. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was it was good open dialogue where we actually understood. Uh, I feel like they really taught us the value of it, of like earning mm-hmm. it, and that it's not limitless. Like their pocketbook, uh, their ability to give us money or us to earn, like it has to be earned. It can't just be found. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, yeah. yeah. So one thing that I feel like parents struggle with, you probably feel like this with your kids. I'm like, how do we how to raise kids? that are not entitled, Mm -hmm. that are not spoiled, that understand the value of a dollar, right? Mm -hmm. And like doing commissions and all that, I think is a great foundation to start Mm -hmm. with your kids. But as we grew older, my mom and dad became more and more successful. And when you do what we teach over a long period Mm -hmm. of time, you're going to build wealth. Mm -hmm. When you're out of debt, you're investing, you're saving, you're giving. Mm -hmm. Mathematically, that's pretty much what occurs Mm -hmm. if that's what you do consistently. So, So when we were, you know, probably in high school, I feel like I— 
was still told no, even though mom and dad had the ability mm-hmm. to give us things mm-hmm. and whether that's a nice purse or buying something cheap at Target. Like, right, like mm-hmm. it wasn't the price that made the difference. Mm-hmm. Like I always look back like, man, they did that really well because mm-hmm. I feel like we somewhat... <laughs> We're not perfect by any means. (laughs) But I feel like they did a great job balancing blessings in Mm -hmm. life, but yet putting that responsibility on us. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. And how do you—do you have any thoughts around that? Because people ask a lot how not to raise entitled, spoiled kids. How do you think Mm -hmm. mom and dad did that? Yeah. Considering y'all are not spoiled and entitled, which they might be just a little bit. (laughs) I'm the the good one. I'm just kidding. (laughs) I mean, one thing that stands out to me is I remember— you know, we live very, we live very modestly, mm-hmm. um, even when they could afford stuff. And I don't think I realized how successful, you know, mm-hmm. our parents were and how good they were financially until I got older and saw them loosen the reins on themselves and saw them starting to buy different cars and they moved houses and things like that. Mm-hmm. Like, I had no idea. And then asking them the questions afterwards made me realize they were way more intentional and they weren't they were living way below their means for a lot longer time than I realized. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so yeah. Which is the thing, more is caught than taught, right? Yeah. Exactly. Like when you watch your parents have a boundary mm-hmm. with money, whether mm-hmm. they can or can't, it's is it necessary? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That automatically gives influence mm-hmm. on your kids. Your yeah. kids yeah. are watching you. Yeah. It's huge, so huge. Okay, what's a time, speaking of boundaries, that mom and dad said no to you, that you were like, man, I really want that. And they were like, mm, nope. Like a, like a like a teen like teenager, not like like. Is there any time that I was like, man? Yeah, I I do have a memory of going to Best Buy when I was a kid, and I'd saved up all this money to buy a Game Boy, and I remember I didn't calculate the tax. Like I I I knew how much it cost, and I showed up with with the right amount of money, and I didn't have the money for the tax because I just you know who knew that was a good lesson in it, of mm-hmm. itself, um, and I remember going. And purchasing it, but I couldn't afford a game because I had to pay the tax. So I bought this Game Boy without a game. Uh, I think I think I remember. I don't. I'm not sure exactly, but I think I remember my mom bailing me out and then me paying her back, like you know, when we got home or something like that. So like, it's not like they were hardcore on yes, every little thing. Yes. Like she felt bad for me and she re- recognized it, <laughs> but it still stuck with me. I still learned the lesson. Even though she, you know, she helped me out a little bit. Yes, yes, so, that's good. That's yeah. good. Yeah. The Game Boy. The Game Boy. Yeah. Tetris. Oh, oh yeah. That. Oh, do, you, yeah. Right, do you have any yes. stories, Denise? God, I know. It's something similar. I mean, just like being a girl. I mean, you like the fun shoes and the fun purses. And so yeah. just, I mean, at Christmas time and stuff, you know. Yeah. Wanting to ask for something. And they're like, no. Like, <laughs> you are a teenager. You don't need to be buying or, like, asking for these yes, types of things. totally, so, totally. Yeah. That's so good. Okay, so yeah. what is one thing that you will duplicate, replicate, mm-hmm. if you will, that mom and dad did that you loved? And then is there anything, if not, no big deal, is there anything mm-hmm. you would do different? I know that's something we've already kind of started with our kids. And um, we have, like, the little junior uh, chore charts. Yes. And so they're hanging up on the fridge. They love being able, okay, I made it my bed. I got to run downstairs mm-hmm. and put my check mark. So just starting it. that process early. And yeah. then mm-hmm. um, also just teaching them to give at an mm-hmm. early age. Because I think that's so important and such a firm foundation to start mm-hmm. on. That um, I mean, I remember looking back, and that was something that, we started so early, and yeah. that's something that's been implanted mm-hmm. in us um, that it hasn't even been a question now as adults. Like, the first thing you do, tithe to the church. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. um, it doesn't—it's not that big of a deal, you know? Yeah, which is such sense. a good point because so. when you change your money habits to say, okay, I'm going to do something new like giving, like yeah. maybe as an adult, you never, you never 
did give and you're like, hey, no, I want to start that. It's kind of this new muscle you have to build. Mm-hmm. But when it's all you know, you don't have to learn anything new. Right. It's just part exactly. of it. Yeah. It's just part of yeah. life. That's so, great. The yeah. giving, I love that. Yeah, the giving is something that came front of mind for me. It was like, I remember at church, you know, watching our dad uh, put the check in the tithe, mm-hmm. you know. And I remember one day he stopped doing it and being like, I was like, what the heck? And he's like, oh, I started doing it online or, or I, started, <laughs> yeah. I started mailing it. or He said something yeah. like that. Yeah. And I remember being like, oh, okay. You know, but— um. But they involved us in their giving. They mm-hmm. talked about it, and they gave us opportunities. I remember mm-hmm. around Christmas time, us going to the grocery store at Kroger and, uh, you know, watching people go in and, and handing them money as they went in, mm-hmm. people that, that looked like they uh, they could use it, and then we prayed over mm-hmm. that process. And yeah. that was really life-changing. Mm-hmm. Anything you would do different? People always ask me this question a lot, and I always say, like, the principles of what we learned, no. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm I still going to— yeah. Not that they did it perfectly, no, but like right. they did. What's your Daniel? You have what? Like, oh, I mean, I just thought of, about your book uh, where you talked about mom stealing popcorn. Yeah, not justifying being cheap in <laughs> yeah. really crazy ways, but yeah, okay. <laughs> that is good. That is good. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Just being able to seriously spend your money. Or being at Cracker yeah. Barrel and taking all the jelly and putting it in your purse. You're like or maple syrup. Or maple syrup. Oh yeah. All of it. All of it. <laughs> That's so funny. I know. I, I don't I guess I think I would do the car thing. I love the matching yeah. at sixteen. Yeah. Yeah. Well, even college, I feel like they were a little bit mm-hmm. which is it's funny to say, it's kind of the opposite extreme of what you would think. They mm-hmm. did not make us work in college. Mm-hmm. Uh sometimes summers, they're like you have to be productive yeah. and do something. But there's a level of skin in the game I think I may mm-hmm. want my kids to do with college. Mm-hmm. I don't know what that looks like, what capacity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I I'm leaning that way right now for some yeah. reason. That's yeah. something I thought about. Yeah. yeah. But. I know they gave—yeah, uh, during college, uh, they helped us out, so we went and had to get a job. But I remember I took on a job during school, I think for a year and a half. Although I had a little bit of money from our parents. Uh, like, it was enough to get by, and it was fun. Uh, it wasn't over the top by any means. And um, just having extra money in my pocket gave me more pride. It gave me more ownership. Um, and, yeah, I feel like I was way more intentional. Yeah, uh, yeah. Because, With because of all that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, as we close out, mm-hmm. what is one piece of encouragement you could give parents that are mm-hmm. on Baby Step 2? They're working their way out of debt. They're sacrificing. They're maybe working extra. They're mm-hmm. saying no to their kids all the time because they just want to get out of debt. And mm-hmm. it's that strenuous process. And it's hard when you have littles running around the house. Yeah. And so that's what mom and dad did. So what's one yeah, encouragement you can give those parents? Because I know for me, mm-hmm. growing up and knowing that my parents did something, sacrificed something mm-hmm. for me, changed everything. Like, mm-hmm. when I saw, oh, wow, they did that. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's when you're a little bit older, but they yeah. did that. And then the lessons I learned because of the boundaries they mm-hmm. set mm-hmm. is probably what gives me a little bit of mm-hmm. self-control today yeah. when it comes to my money. So that's always my encouragement to parents that you're not mm-hmm. harming your kids by telling them no, no by the sacrifice. So so what would y'all say in your perspective? Like, yeah. what would you tell that family? Yeah, I mean, I would just say just to be open and, like, talk about what's going on. And, um, yeah, yeah, just share the what's conversation. going on. Yeah, have the conversation and share what's going on. And um, explain why and be like, you know, we're doing this now. So later mm-hmm. we can really enjoy going out to eat or mm-hmm. really going on vacations. And um, we get to really celebrate when we get to mm-hmm. do yeah. that. That's so, awesome. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Uh, I can think back to just memories of us whining a lot or yeah. complaining. Like, 
not going out to lunch uh, after church and stuff like that, and just begging for things. And um, looking back, I'm so glad we didn't because, like, although we missed out on, like, you know, great breadsticks or something like that at a restaurant. But although we missed out on that, um, you don't remember that. What you remember is what you learned. Mm -hmm. And we learned the discipline and the value and uh, the intentionality. And it's not that we couldn't afford going out to eat uh, so much as we already had a a meal planned at home. Like we'd already bought the groceries for it Mm -hmm. and like sticking to it. Um, So, Yeah. yeah. That's good. Awesome. Well, thanks, y'all. Hope y'all come back again sometime. (laughs) Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you. All right, I'm going to answer a question from someone in my Facebook community, and it's a question that I get a lot. So this one was from Jen. She said, I'd really love to dig into money saving, budgeting, and paying off debt, but my husband is not on board. He says we're doing fine, but we aren't. He brought a lot of debt over from his previous relationship. We can't even get approved for a mortgage. Do you have any tips to get him on board? Oh, I'm so sorry. This is this is a hard one. It's so stressful. It's hard in marriage when you're not aligned on big subjects in life, and money is one of those subjects. You want to financially be a team. So I would say a couple of things, Jen. There's an emotional aspect that I want you guys to kind of tap into, and it's the idea that you have to be one in your marriage. You have to say, hey, we're still going to have our own passions, our own tendencies, our own, you know, maybe goals of I want to do this thing or he wants to do this thing. And that's fine. You don't lose your identity when you get married, but you do become one. And you do say, hey, we are on the same team and we need to be doing things very, very similarly on the same road so that we can win in the long term. It's really hard to win financially when you're running on two separate tracks and you're trying to get out of debt and he doesn't care to and he goes into more debt and you're trying to dig out this hole. Like it's not gonna work in the long term. And so to say, hey, we have to be a team. I would also say he needs to know your why. Why? Why do you wanna do this? Why do you wanna pay off debt? Why do you wanna live on a budget? Why do you wanna save? Why? Is it because you're stressed out? Is it because you're scared? Is it because you feel like you work so hard and you just have no traction and there's something just tactically off and you're like frustrated about it? Is it because you want your kids to live a better life than you did? Like, what is it? Figure out that why. And that's when you want to bring that conversation to him and say, hey, here's why I want to do this. And that usually leads to deeper conversations other than just money. And if there's hopefully some respect in the relationship, you guys are going to hear each other. And it may not just be the thing that just takes off and like, oh yeah, we're going to automatically win. But he needs to know your urgency of your why. Uh, Number three, I would say that you're going to have different money tendencies and that's okay. You may always be more of the nerd in the relationship where you're always going to be more passionate than he is. He might be more of a free spirit. Now, that's not to say an excuse, well, then you just do everything and he's just going to listen and not worry. No, no, no. He needs to engage as well. Just because you're a free spirit, you don't get a pass on this money stuff. You still have to engage the conversation. But for you two to come together and say, okay, you're probably going to be more passionate about it than he is. And that just gives you a level of empathy. But again, I want him on board. But if you go down the seven money tendencies in my new book and just pinpoint and say, okay, this is him. This is me. This is him. This is me. It almost gives you this level of empathy to say, this is where he's coming from. And I would want to know that, like kind of his story. So that's going to be number four, digging into that past relationship, to his past family experiences of how he grew up. Dig into his past when it comes to money to figure out 
why has he shaped and viewed money the way he does today? Because what you're really talking about is a value system, a principle that you guys are not agreeing on. So figuring out how he got there is going to help. And then last but not least, it's pretty tactical, but I find it usually works more for men (laughs) to get them on board is to show him, hey, why don't you then, Jen, do the budget and show him, hey, this is what I'm thinking. What do you think? Show him your debt snowball. Go ahead and do the debt snowball. Get all the debts on the table because it's not his debt or your debt. It's now your debt together, y'all's debt. Make a debt snowball. List out all of the debts, smallest to largest, regardless of the interest rate, and show him, okay, if we really put X amount towards that smallest debt, we could have it paid off in two months. And then the next small set, okay, we could have that paid off. And then show him a timeline and say, hey, if we sacrifice and we put this extra money here, we could have no payments. No payments in 18 months, 24 months, whatever it is for you all. But to do that and and show him tactically, because I think sometimes the idea of handling money well, whether it is budgeting or saving or getting out of debt, it's all kind of theory up in your head and it's kind of emotional and it's all here. When you can bring it on paper to actually see it visually, that helps as well. And if all of those don't work, Jen, then honestly, I would go see someone, pull in a third party, whether that's a good friend uh, who has a great marriage when it comes to money, whether that's a marriage counselor or a therapist, I don't care, but bring someone in because I find so often that life's problems masquerade themselves as money problems. And at the end of the day, it may not just be a money problem. There may be a marriage breakdown there. And for you guys to resolve that and figure that out, because not only are you going to win with money faster doing that, but you're going to have a healthier marriage overall. You're going to force to communicate about things. You're going to be forced to probably look to see, hey, where have I gone wrong in this as well? All of it. It just kind of exposes us. But when you can have those deeper level conversations, you just have a richer marriage overall. And then the money stuff comes after And it ends up usually uh, being okay and you guys working on the same team. So I hope that helps, Jim. But I know, gosh, a lot of people struggle with this, you guys. And we talk about it a lot on the show. But money fights and money problems, one of the leading causes of divorce. So if if the financial part of your marriage is always a stress point, focus in on that and say, hey, let's work on this. Because it's not fun to live life when you're just stressed out and freaked out, right? You want to be able to enjoy it and enjoy it with the person you're married to as well. So thanks for asking, Jen. And you guys, you can ask any question you want on usually social media. So whether it's YouTube or Facebook or Instagram, we are out looking for those questions and hopefully we'll answer them here on the show. All right, Jen, I hope that question helped you really get a grip to understand, okay, here is how I can possibly get my husband on board because it's really difficult, you guys. I mean, if you're on this money journey and you are married, you know that spouses, we are very different, opposites attract. And so getting on the same page is so, so crucial. And I wanna say thank you to my brother and sister for being on as well. And if you guys have not hit that subscribe button, make sure to do that. And if the spirit leads, you can leave a review. And as always, make sure to take control of your money and create a life you love. So if you guys enjoyed this podcast, we have more from the Ramsey Network, like the Entree Leadership Podcast. Hey, this is Daniel Tardy, host of the Entree Leadership Podcast. We believe that small business is the backbone of the American economy. And we also know it can be really hard to win in business. So we're here to help. On the Entree Leadership Podcast, We talk about the practical ways that you can grow yourself, your team, and your profits. 
Join us every week as we talk to entrepreneurs, CEOs, thought leaders, best-selling authors, and more to help you on the journey of winning at business. You can learn more at entreleadership.com slash podcast and follow us on social media at Entree Leadership. To hear full episodes, just search Entree Leadership wherever you listen to podcasts or go to entreleadership.com slash podcast.